Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Well, good morning. My name's Andy. It is really great to be with you. It's been a joy to do the What Might Happen If series. I hope you enjoyed that one. If you missed any of those talks, you can catch up with them online. Head over to our website to do that. And we are in the midst of a season of the church year called Lent, where we reflect on Jesus' journey towards the cross, his suffering, his death, and prepare to celebrate his resurrection at Easter. Lent is often marked by fasting and increased prayer, and the 40 days of Lent are linked to Jesus' own 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness that we read about in the Gospels. Many people fast from certain things to give us more focus or time for prayer and studying the Bible and for worship. And we also, during Lent, typically add something in for the season, like a spiritual discipline or an intentional practice. And even we as a a whole community add in our Lent prayer during Lent, and we add in our daily Bible readings for for Lent and a few other things. Fasting and practices don't save us. They don't make God like us more. They're just disciplines we engage in to focus our attention on Jesus and to make intentional space for Him in our lives. They help cultivate our hunger for Him and focus our attention on Him. And so we want to take the next couple of weeks of Lent and open the scriptures. We want to keep our hearts set on Jesus and his victory on the cross and the hope of our own resurrection as we continually put our faith and trust in him. And so today is going to be a little bit more meditative, like a meditative Lent reflection for us. So I want to take us to John chapter 1 and talk about Jesus as the Lamb of God and let that image and theme from the scriptures challenge us, revive us, and comfort us. And I know we left the, I just said that we left the What Might Happen If series behind, but what might happen if we meditated and thought about Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world for the next few weeks and held it in our hearts and journeyed towards Easter? Well, let's find out. Let's talk about Jesus as the Lamb of God. John chapter 1 opens with this amazing prologue to the account of Jesus' life. It calls Jesus the divine word or the logos. It calls Jesus God's agent of salvation. It's also God's self-revelation to people. If you want to know what God's, God looks like, how God is, look at Jesus. Jesus is God's Son. He's made His home with us. Jesus shows us the way to the Father and shows us what God is like. In John chapter 1, verse 18, says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father and has made Him known. The chapter then goes on to talk about Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who lived in the wilderness and wore strange clothes and ate locusts and wild honey and preached this fiery message of repentance that God's kingdom was coming near and the people were to prepare for the one who is coming and he would baptize people in the Jordan River. 
and the people and the religious leaders in John chapter 1, they want to know who John thinks he is. And John tells them, I'm a forerunner for the one who is coming. Someone is coming that is greater than I, he tells them. And then the very next day, John chapter 1 tells us that John the Baptist sees Jesus, his cousin, coming towards him. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if you think about it, that phrase, that title, Lamb of God, just sounds a bit weird to our ears, you know, doesn't it? For those of us maybe that grew up in church, it, it might be one of those things we're used to hearing, but we're not quite exactly sure why it's there. For those of us that didn't grow up around church, or we're not really following Jesus and never have done, it's probably like, well, what is that all about? Why, why is that there? Well, when John called Jesus the Lamb of God, it was really intentional. And it was packed with meaning from the history of God's people. The Lamb of God is a theme throughout Scripture, and by calling Jesus the Lamb of God, he's pulling all the meaning from Scripture and he's placing it on to Jesus. John was saying that everything written in the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, was pointing towards this Jesus and who he is and what he will do for the world. I love the Bible Project. Uh, you can find their videos and their classes and their podcasts online. Uh, and if the Bible is new to you or confusing to you, if you have lots of questions about the Bible, go to their website, look at their illustrated videos, super helpful. Uh, check out their podcast if you want a much deeper dive. They even have some classes uh, there that you can check out. But the people of the Bible Project remind us that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. It's a library of 66 different books written over a long period of time by different authors in different genres and contexts. But it's unified in that it still tells the story of God which culminates in Jesus. And it's also unified in the sense that the Spirit of God has breathed on and woven these diverse and complex writings together in partnership with the human authors and compilers. And the result is a complex, amazing, and intricate book of books that is well worth investing a lifetime of study, meditation, and thought to. It's a book of books that draws us to Jesus, helps us to hear from Him, to meet with Him, and to follow Him. And the Bible Project people, they talk about this helpful illustration. They say the Bible is full of uh, hyperlinks, like words or phrases or stories or themes that connect to each other and make you think of other stories and passages and, and scriptures and that trigger all the meaning and importance of those other passages onto the one that you're reading. And just like you read like a, like a Wikipedia article or something like that, and there's all these hyperlinks. If you want to know different parts of the story that are being referenced, click here. And they're saying the Bible has all these different like hyperlinks in it. And Lamb of God, that title is like one of those hyperlinks because like I said earlier, the scriptures are full of that, this Lamb of God imagery and the author wants you to think about all of them as we are introduced to Jesus. Those gathered around John the Baptist would have had all kinds of hope and promise about the Lamb of God in their minds and it would have exploded right into their consciousness as John says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John wants us to think about how Jesus is the Lamb of Genesis 22 that was killed by Abraham in place of his son Isaac. In that very famous and difficult passage, Abraham tells Isaac that God himself will provide the Lamb for the sacrifice. Jesus is that Lamb for us. 
The whole Old Testament sacrificial system where animals would be sacrificed to cleanse people from sin and brokenness all pointed towards Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would pay for the sin and brokenness of the world on the cross and make a way for us to be holy and blameless and cleansed before God and welcomed into His family. So Jesus is the Lamb of the daily sacrifice offered morning and evening for people's sins mentioned in the book of Exodus and Leviticus. That would have been in the minds of those who are listening to John the Baptist. Jesus is also the Passover lamb from Exodus, whose blood was sprinkled on the doorpost to protect Hebrew families in Egypt from God's wrath as he led them out of slavery and judged the nation of Egypt for holding his people captive in slavery. Jesus' own death covers over us and leads us out of slavery to sin and death. It's like a new exodus that we go on. Jesus is also the lamb led to the slaughter in Isaiah chapter 53, the famous passage about a, prophesied about a suffering servant who will come and bear the sins of many. Well, the disciples and followers of Jesus were captured by this image. And uh, later on in the New Testament, in the letters and accounts of Jesus' life, they, they, they wrote about it. And Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 calls Jesus our Passover lamb whose blood was shed for us. And the apostle Peter says that we were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We were bought out of slavery to sin and brokenness. And the price was paid by Jesus on the cross to set us free. And then the book of Revelation, written by John, is full of references to Jesus as this victorious, conquering lamb, who is also like a lion, who is a redeemer and a worthy, the only worthy judge. Well, why might any of this matter? Why, what might happen if we thought about, focused on Jesus as the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, this Lenten season. Why does any of this matter? How would this be helpful? Well, that all depends on what kind of a lamb Jesus is. So what kind of a lamb is he? He's not just the lamb of God, but he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, it's really not fashionable to say these days, but sin is real. And it affects every single one of us, and we see its effects every single day. All you need to do is see what's happening in Ukraine and know that there's something profoundly broken and not right in this world. And the Bible tells us that since Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden, the world has been profoundly marked by sin and brokenness. It touches everything and everyone, including you and including me. And it's not just a systemic sin and evil on a grand scale that we see in our world, but it also affects us personally, the wrongs done to us, the wrongs we have done, and the wrongs we can't stop doing. And why is sin a problem? Well, sin means a separation from a holy God. It also means a separation from one another. And we know that's true just intuitively. Whether we're following Jesus or not, we know, we know it's true. Because we know when we've wronged someone or someone has wronged us, there's like something between us. There's like a debt between us. There's something mu- must be dealt with. Sin must be paid for. And since Eden, Adam and Eve, sin has been in the way between a holy God and us and us and others. And the story of the Bible points to the fact that one day God in his mercy would not just provide a sacrificial system to deal with sin. He would make a decisive sacrifice himself. Jesus the Lamb
who died for us. A theologian, preacher, and pastor called Fleming Rutledge writes this, The Messiah came not to a purified and enlightened world, spiritually prepared for his arrival, but rather to a humanity no nearer to its original goodness than on the day Cain murdered his brother Abel. From beginning to end, the Holy Scriptures testify that the predicament of fallen humanity is so serious, so grave, so irredeemable from within that nothing short of divine intervention can rectify us. Jesus is the perfect, unblemished Lamb, the sinless one who dies for your sin and mine, saves us when we can't save ourselves, pays our debt that we could never pay, and even bears the weight of injustice and brutality and the brokenness of the world. And by placing our hope and faith in His death and resurrection, we are made clean and whole and free And as we look towards the cross during Lent, the Lamb's death on the cross is our redemption. And the grip that sin and death has on the world and on us is broken. Even our worst sins and failures are covered by Jesus' blood and are forgiven and are no longer being held against us. They're no longer in the way between us and God. And our wounds and our brokenness can be healed as Jesus invites us into a new way of living, the way of His kingdom. We can follow Him and live a new life, free and forgiven, stretching on into eternity. Well, why does any of this matter? Well, we all, whether we know it or not, must reckon with sin and the brokenness of the world. And we now live in a world that has abandoned faith and God to a large extent, but has no idea what to do with the realities of sin and guilt and injustice. And it's tearing itself apart because of us. Jesus, the Lamb of God, steps into that place for us and for the world. And those who turn to Him and follow Him and put their faith in Him will be made whole and forgiven and set free and have a way of living new life that is redemptive and full of grace and truth. So he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's also God's Lamb. That's what kind of Lamb he is. He's God's Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb God provides for us. He provides himself as the Lamb. Jesus, fully God, fully man, is God's Lamb. And just like Genesis chapter 22, God himself provides the Lamb. He provides himself for us. God, in the person of Jesus, went to the cross himself. The scriptures don't teach about an angry God who we're paying back for dying for us or a distant God, but rather a God of supreme love and mercy who spared nothing to pursue his creation. He spared nothing to save us and to break the curse of sin. A God who declared the wages of sin is death, but then paid the cost himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working together to work divine salvation, a once and for all sacrifice on our behalf to take away the sin of the world. And you know, there's a lot of belief systems, both religious and secular, that invite us to stop talking about sin, especially our own sin, and invite us to just let ourselves off the hook and move on and kind of fast forward past the wrongness and our part in that. But Christianity presents a God who takes your place, a God of forgiveness, a God who invites you into transformation and love, and a God who became one of us and suffered 
for us and bore our wounds and scars and now invites us to build our lives on his love and be part of what he is doing in all the earth to bring about healing and redemption. And that's really different than just forgetting about sin or pretending like it isn't real and letting ourselves off the hook. And why should we care about it? Well, I think we should care about it because if any of this is true, don't you want to know and love and serve and follow a God like that, who does not let sin and injustice go undealt with, but also in great love and mercy bears its weight himself and lets us go free. Don't you want to know a God like that? So he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's God's Lamb and he's an active, not a passive Lamb. You know, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. But it isn't depicted as a passive thing. It's actually quite the opposite. In verses 17 to 18, he speaks of his own authority, that no one takes his life from him. He chooses to lay it down. He chooses when to lay it down, and he will choose when to take it back up again. And the passion narratives, the the part of John's gospel that that depict Jesus going to the cross before his resurrection, shows us a Jesus who is in control of everything. Nothing happens that he does not choose. Nothing happens that he does not willingly step into himself. The Lamb of God takes intentional aim at our great enemies, sin, death, and the works of the devil, and he triumphs over them on the cross. We don't have a passive, cuddly lamb. God's lamb is intentional and powerful and fearless. And he lays down his life for us. And he chooses when he will do that. And just as he rose again, those of us who know and love him will follow him in our own resurrection. Again, if that's true, don't you want to know and serve and follow a Savior like that? That isn't a cuddly lamb that we just hold and it makes us feel better or have warm feelings about life or something like that. A robust, powerful, warrior lamb who took direct aim at our great enemies of sin and death and the works of the devil and worked victory and leads us towards our own resurrection to share in his victory. And if he is active in your redemption, how else might he be powerfully active in your life? And don't you want to find out? Well, lastly, what kind of a lamb is he? He's a victorious lamb. In Revelation, John's apocalyptic vision of heaven and the future, we see a victorious lamb. Jesus, the lamb, takes center stage. He's depicted as both lion and lamb. In chapter 5, verses 5 to 6, says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. It's so interesting. Jesus is called the Lion of Judah, triumphant, but when John looks and sees not a lion, but he sees a lamb who has been slain but is now risen, alive, and well. And then all heaven and all of the earth sings a new song of worship in praise of Jesus, the suffering but triumphant Lamb of God. And we read about these in verses 12 to 13 of chapter 5. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on, on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. What makes him worthy of worship is that Jesus is the slain Lamb and he in death purchased people for God. His death paid for us to make us clean, restored us into friendship and peace, fully present with God forever. He is the Lion of Judah who is triumphant. He is the Lamb who was slain for us. St. Augustine writes this, Why a Lamb in His passion? Because He underwent death without being guilty of any iniquity. Why a Lion in His passion? Because in being slain He slew death. Why a lamb in his resurrection? Because his innocence is everlasting. Why a lion in his resurrection? Because everlasting also is his might. The lion and the lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God, conquers through suffering. He's vindicated in his resurrection. He will reign forever and ever. And he will invite us into a victorious resurrection of our own as we put our faith and trust in Him. And that is incredibly good news as we stand before a very difficult time and a shaking world. We look out into eternity and see the Lion of Judah and the Lamb who was slain, risen, victorious, forever, inviting us home. So why should I follow this Lamb? What might happen if we think deeply about the Lamb of God this Lent and begin to follow Him for the first time or afresh? Well, again, in a time when many are searching for love, mercy, truth, identity, hope, purpose, things that everybody in our city, on this island, in our world is looking for, Jesus, the Lamb of God, speaks to all that and more. We, have, we receive from Him, when we follow Him, a refreshed and reminded true identity. When we follow Jesus the Lamb, we know who we are, that we're a child of God, that we're forgiven, we're a friend of Jesus, we're cleansed, we've been set free from our bondage to sin, and we can find healing from the sins done against us. We're set free from the systems of the world, we're set free to follow Jesus, we're set free to forgive, we're set free to serve, we're set free to help heal this broken world in Jesus' name. We're reminded when we follow Jesus, the Lamb of God, that we're tenaciously loved by God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you feel like you need your identity shored up uh, after a long and brutal pandemic time, or if you're just sitting here listening to this and you're just hoping that this is somehow true, come follow or return to following Jesus, the Lamb of God, and receive the true, solid, eternal identity that He bestows upon us. Another reason to follow this lamb is that we get blessed with purpose. We get to inhabit a story that God is alive and for us and with us. And those who love him are released into this world to be his hands and feet, helping to bring about his healing through redemptive love and mercy. We're given purpose. We're given power. We're given a share in his mission. We're given his presence. We are given a reason to live, that we can give our lives away just like the lamb we follow and serve. So if you are sick of trying to be the hero of your own story, if you are sick of trying to bear the pressure 
of being the source of everything or just having the perfect Instagrammable life, come follow the Lamb of God and be blessed with purpose to give your life away and then finally find it in Him. Well, why should we follow the Lamb of God? Well, hope is revived when we follow the Lamb of God. And if the Lamb of God can take away the effects and damaging uh, things of sin for you, then what else might He do for you? He can empower you. He can heal you. He can walk with you in friendship, even in the details of your daily life. He is alive and well and profoundly with us now, empowering us, helping us, blessing us, forming us, and continually freeing us. And He is victorious forever. His resurrection secures our resurrection. And whatever happens on this earth now, we have hope in the fact that sin is paid for and death is defeated and nothing now separates us from the love of God forever for those who follow and love and serve Jesus. The Lamb who was slain rules and reigns. And if you want hope for today and forever, come follow the Lamb of God and be swallowed up by His story of victory and hope for eternity. Well, focusing on the Lamb of God also builds our trust and security in Him, and that's a reason to follow Him, because He knows our needs and He is trustworthy. We follow Jesus as the Lamb of God, but a Lamb who was slain, which means He knows and can identify with your pain and the world's pain and suffering. See, God in Jesus entered into a world of immense suffering and injustice and sin and brutality, and He endured it and saved it. And we can follow, love, and serve a God who wasn't absent or at a distance, but laid down his life and endured betrayal and pain and suffering and death and injustice and entered in and he suffered as we have suffered. The Lamb of God conquering and ruling and reigning now still bears the scars of his suffering and death. Now he bears them like trophies. And that tells me that he can be trusted because he knows your pain and mine. He has suffered worse and he can redeem those things and will heal one day the suffering and injustice of the world. And that means we can have hope in the transforming power of His love. So if you have scars, come follow the Lamb of God who has His own, but who can also wipe away every tear and will do at the end of all things. So we should also follow the Lamb of God because He's eternal. He is gentle, He's powerful, but He will have no rivals. He is resilient, He is strong. He cannot be matched. He is dependable. He cannot be shaken. He is coming again. Nothing, not even our doubt and disbelief and apathy, anger and fear can stop Him from fiercely loving us. And nothing the world can throw at Him will stop His rule, His return and His glorious kingdom. We can live in that life under the shelter of His care. We can carry that life that He invites us into. We can carry it into our families, our church, our schools, our friendships, our relationship, our city and beyond. This pandemic time has revealed that Everything is shaking except the conquering lamb who was slain, but who is now ruling and reigning, a lion-like lamb who shed his blood for us, who loves us and is available to us. Let following the lamb this Lent focus you, bring you to your knees before the cross for the first time or all over again. Let it turn it into you into an ambassador of the lamb's grace, mercy, and good news to anyone and everyone around you.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.